This podcast is produced by Castle Point Systems, the compliance, security and discovery solution for all your information in any of your systems. Castle Point asks, what could you do and what could you achieve if you knew what every record in your environment was about, what rules applied to it and whether they were being met? Over the series, I talk with a range of industry, academic and government commentators from Australia and overseas about ways to mitigate risks to data and compliance and to maximise the opportunities that are arising. I interview experts in the records, strategy, discovery, security and audit fields who share their experience and insights in ways we can all apply right now and into the future of our new normal. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our first interview in our series of interviews with the experts. Today, our expert is Kate Fueling, who is a digital transformation expert, an author, an optimist, according to your bio, um, and has lots of experience in small to medium organisations. So today we're talking about um, how information management impacts uh, as a result of the disruption are affecting those small to medium organisations and what we can maybe do about that in terms of some practical tactics that we can use. Um, Before we start, I'd just like to acknowledge the traditional owners of country around Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Okay, Kate, so do you mind starting us off by giving us a little bit of background on what led you into working in information management, specifically with that focus on small and medium organisations? Sure, and first of all, thank you for having me, Rachel. It's always great to talk about something that you're very passionate about. Um, So I got into information management because I love structure and clarity and being able to find things as well. And uh, I think that sort of all, all combined to into one and, and brought me down that road. And I really enjoy helping people as well. And um, I remember when many, many moons ago, I was a pharmacy assistant and uh, we uh, had, had got a prescription in for some, some drugs for a um, terminal care patient. And we forgot to order them for them. And it absolutely devastated me that we had not done that and the, our processes had broken down and the information just hadn't got to the right place. And so it, it really struck me that whilst I thought, you know, the job was the thing that was really invigorating to me and helping people absolutely was, it was actually working out the, the systems we were using, the processes and the information to get to that outcome that, that really struck me as, ah, this is, this is where my, my interest and my aptitude lies. Um, and as for small to medium organisations, they're much better at change, funnily enough. Um, you know, it's rather than moving a, a big ship like a Titanic, it's a little yacht that you can move around a bit. Um, and also I think I really enjoy connecting with people and you can do that so much better in a consultancy um, situation when you're in a small to medium organisation. And there were times when I worked with much larger organisations where I just felt like my work just went into the ether and didn't actually affect any change and nothing nothing was taken on board. And I I wrote a strategy or a policy that sat on the shelf and, and got dusty and never got implemented. So for me, it's that connection to people as well as that connection to actually making a change and, and making a difference for these organisations. 
Great. I definitely feel what you're saying there. Um, I think you're definitely right in that there's a lot that you can achieve in a small or medium-sized organisation, be it government or for purpose or or industry. And actually, it's those organisations that seem to have the most impact on the lives of actual people out in the world. You know, when you're in a big organisation, you feel quite disconnected, I think, from the the end stakeholder in the community that's affected, but in those medium ones, it's a lot closer to the bone as you experienced. Yeah. So, sure. so how do you think before all this before all this started, how would you sort of rate the overall information governance control of that sector of the Australian economy um, before the pandemic? Good, bad, somewhere in the middle? Sure. So first of all, I am a bit biased because I'm only brought into organisations who are struggling. So, um, uh, you know, the ones who are doing fantastic work actually have people inside their organisation that that is their job to work on systems, process information, and they're doing a great job. So there's certainly small to medium organisations in Australia who are doing that and who are doing that well. Um, The ones I work with, I would say average to poor. So there is um, a lot of of time when um, organisations have been through some type of of change and and digital transformation. They've got Office 365. They have an outsourced managed service provider for their IT and they're, they're definitely getting there. Um, But then what they realise is that they don't have those internal people with the knowledge and the skills and the interest to to develop things forward and and to take things forward. So, yes, um, average to to, um, pretty poor at the moment. Um, And the ironic thing I see as well is that because they have poor, very manual-based processes and are working in Excel spreadsheets that then they have to export to this and manipulate data there. Um, They're spending so much time managing and manipulating their information that they don't have time to work on doing it better and smarter. Yeah, for sure. Okay, no worries. So so with that in mind, seeing as, um, you know, bias aside, those organisations were already struggling a little bit, what do you think has been the immediate effect of the pandemic and the shutdowns and the disruption? You know, are we out of the crisis phase now? What did that look like and what does it look like today and tomorrow? Sure. So, look, that immediate effect for a lot of people was go home, take your laptop, take your papers, just go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was you know, very confronting um, and, um, you know, it, it was, you know, an, an immediate crisis mode straight from there. Um, in terms of governance, it's, it's the last thing on people's mind right now and especially in, in that crisis mode. Um, they, they just needed to keep the lights on. They needed to, you know, keep doing something. Um, and so governance really sort of... Um, is, is not what's on people's mind and certainly wasn't in a crisis. And that's understandable. So, you know, in a, in a crisis mode, um, and I sort of, I, I relate it to the human body. So when we have a crisis in our human body and it's, you know, that fight or flight mode, um, the blood goes to the, the critical organs for survival. And that's exactly what's happened now is that it's just gone to the, the criticalness of, of, you know, keeping the lights on and having a business um, and, you know, everything else is is secondary right now. And, um, you know, the governance structures that were there are working to some extent, um, but those that aren't, they've just said, 
it's okay, we'll, we'll just keep on working, we'll deal with that in, in the future. Now, I do believe we are past that crisis point. Um, it's been four weeks now, I think, since we've we've been at home um, and, you know, we can only sustain that adrenaline for so long and that, that fight or flight yeah. for so long. So I think, um, you know, right now it's it's getting to that new strange normal um, and it's it's giving um, a lot of people... Um, challenges around how they're working but actually opportunities as well as what I'm saying too. Yeah okay um, so on the opportunities side I mean I think we've all seen that maybe some of the emergency medicine applied to organizations in crisis mode has been technology you know rapid adoption of new technology and and one chapter of your book is called get your shit together before you look at technology. So um, I think there's a challenge there, definitely. Do you think the disruption is pushing people to adopt new tech too fast? So absolutely. Uh, that um, chapter is um, one of my favourite chapters. It was from a client who, you know, I, I still work with now and who I, I love to pieces. Um, and they, I, we looked at their project and reflected back and I said, you know, what would you, you say we've learned from this? And she she did say, look, just get all your ducks in a row before you even start to put this technology in. Um, but that's in normal circumstances, right? That's when we have the luxury of time, of change management, of strategic thinking, of how it's going to work. So when I talk about get your shit together before you put technology in, normally people have a, a an issue with a process or a, a, a um, system and they think another system will fix it. That's where I, where I talk about, um, you know, they think the technology is the answer. At the moment, what we're in is a whole bunch of problems have bubbled up. And that's what I tell my, my clients is that we never just Put in technology for technology's sake we always have to have a problem we're trying to solve so right now it's it's ironic that yes you know you should be you know in a far more controlled environment when you're putting technology in but all of these problems have arisen and we need to do something with a, a technological slant to actually get um you know the solutions in here so whilst I would say don't do this um, like this normally um, at, at the moment. It's the right thing to do and everyone else is in the same boat. So it's it's funny how people are so much more tolerant right now of glitches, of, you know, um, cameras not working, of, of people walking in the background, you know, naked and all the rest of it. And right now all three of my children are on their break from 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 schooling so you know you'll be hearing bangs and I'm sure someone will walk in in a minute asking for hot chocolate or something so and we find it funny and amusing whereas before it's like well that's not very professional um, yeah. so I think we're a bit more tolerant right now as well. I think so too and I think that sort of leads me into my next question about the kind of the, the people impact of all of this you know people is is the key element you know more than 50 percent of what you describe as your synergy wheel mm -hmm. along with governance and, and process and technology so can you give us a little um a little pricey about what the synergy wheel is and then let's talk about you know what happens to people in all this yep Yep. So the synergy wheel I came up with because the, the normal way of running digital projects was 
people process technology, that Venn diagram of them all interacting and yeah. you know, all a beautiful world. And um, actually what it was was this huge, enormous circle of technology and then a little bit of process and a little bit of paper, right? That's actually yeah. what it was in reality. Um, and no one thinks about why you're doing it, you know, where it fits into or people didn't think about it, um, where it fits into to how it will help people do their jobs, to how it will help the organisation and the outcomes they're looking for. So certainly the strategic part of it is, is really missing there. So that's a part of the wheel as well is, is strategy. And then the fifth part is, is governance um, and, you know, just having some rules and, and um, some ways of working that give some boundaries to people about how this technology is going to work and why it's going to work and, and not restrictive governance. That's you know, I, I very much don't like that. But some type of governance in there that gives a little bit of structure so technology and, and systems don't turn into what we see, you know, the the, um, the share drives um, tend to, to be these days. Um, so that's the synergy wheel. And so it gives you the approach that it's not just the technology we're focusing on. It's it, all five aspects of that wheel have to be thought about. And in my experience, um, it is all around the people. So um, when I first did the Synergy Wheel, it was it was all five of them together all working nicely. But actually, I see people as, as getting this bigger, bigger, bigger part of the wheel um, because, you know, if people don't understand why they want to use the system. They don't see the benefits of it. You know, they'll, they might do it a bit, but they certainly will go back to their old ways if they could. Um, and you just don't get that buy-in. And what happens is you don't actually get the, the solution and the outcomes you want from the technology. And everyone blames, blames the technology again and this, this vicious circle. Yeah. Right? Um, so in terms of where people are right now, it's fascinating to see because um, it's been very confronting for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people are extremely anxious, not just about using technology but about being at home and they have you know kids around and other things going on and they might be anxious for their jobs as well so there's a lot of anxiety there um, and so um, where I'm coming in right now rather than running projects for people and doing change management that way I'm sending out a lot of communications to my subscribers around you know positive podcasts and tips for working from home and, you know, just stop trying to do, to be at that level of productivity that you were in your safe, comfortable environment three or four weeks ago, just try your best and don't beat yourself up. And I think for a lot of us with, with kids at home as well, you will see the teachers, um, our Premier in Victoria as well has sent out this message, um, the, the, um, the, the kids, um, thought leaders and around digital technology and stuff are all saying the same, same, same thing. They're all saying, yes, okay, we're, we're, we're working and we're learning from home, but be really kind to yourself and don't beat yourself up and understand that this is not worth normal working from home um, procedures or, or time because there's so much other anxiety um, that, that's um, in it at the moment. Um, and then... What else is happening is that people are needing quick solutions and specific solutions. So what I've said to my clients, again, all right, the projects are off, but ask me questions, whatever you need. And so I get asked things like, um, 
how many presenters can you have in, in Teams Live? And um, right. I can't see the group in, in SharePoint. How do I see that? So really, really specific stuff that I don't normally get into. Um, and what's happening, I think, for them is, is um, normally I'm a coach and a mentor to them in these big projects and, and running these projects. But now I'm sort of their coach and their mentor on their their the things that that are in their brain that are just causing a lot of anxiety and, and, and being very confronting like that. On the other hand, there are some people who are thriving and who are loving this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's <laughs> great. That's really, really good for them. Um, and it's lovely to see that, you know, the, the world doesn't end when you're not working in an office anymore as well. Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah, good. Okay, so I guess back to the analogy, it's, it's about stabilising the patient you know, which is our people. So mm-hmm. get people comfortable, confident, you know, anxiety-free, and then worry about the governance and the and the technology. Because I guess without that core, you know, being the, the main part of your wheel, um, none of the rest will work anyway. That's right. And look, what I've been, um, a lot of the, the clients I work with already have Office 365, but just have no idea how to use it. And yeah. you know, we've, we've talked about there will be projects along the way. And now we're just giving it a test. Um, others who don't have it, there's a lot of great apps and and, um, and technology and pro- productivity tools that I can recommend because I'm confident in their security and their privacy and their governance. Um, so, you know, they're those types of solutions as well. It's sort of a bit, again, that same analogy. It's it's a little bit of um, antibiotics or something. It's like just a quick, you know, fix yeah. over here that, that we can help with with that little problem to, to get okay. you into the next phase. Yeah, so security and, and privacy is a really key thing, I guess, with the adoption of new technologies and especially as the workforce is dispersed, you know, and distributed. So I know you work with organisations a lot on privacy and security. What are your thoughts about how that's been disrupted as a result of the pandemic? You know, what do you think about data tracking apps and and data collection related to the pandemic, either inside an organisation about the employees or more broadly? Sure. So whilst I do do privacy and, and security, it's not, you know, there are privacy and security experts and I believe you'll have some some on um, in, in this series. So I think they're probably going to be more informed than I am around this. What I will say um, is that, again, it's very specific um, solutions and questions and advice I'm giving my clients. Um, For example, those who don't have uh, cloud-based document management systems, um, some of them have taken stuff home on USB sticks and things like that that have made me twitch a bit. Um, So uh, for me, it's, uh, use the the organisational um, tools that you already have, so that already has that security in them. That's you know the first level, and you know what you should do. Um, if you're using your own um, uh, devices to access um, organisational security, it's making sure you have good passwords on them and good um, you know security software, etc. And then for other things like um, using productivity tools or apps or Zoom or or whatever it is, um, it really is just some basic principles that we normally teach around this stuff. But actually, you know, when when we're teaching around privacy and security before and, and, 
um, you know, people go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because they can't relate to it sometimes. It's because they go, oh, yes, well, I'm, I'm not using Zoom, so whatever. Um, but right now that they're using Zoom, they can actually apply it, and that's how people learn and, and understand things is they have a concept and they can apply it. And so that's this phase right now is using the standard stuff that we talk about, privacy and security, and applying it to that. Um, and one thing I will say about um, the, the tracking app for, um, you know, the COVID-19 one is that it does make me laugh because, you know, we're already using things like Facebook on our phones and run trackers and um, Uber and, and all of these tools are already tracking us so much more than what we think, so much more. Um, and we're not worried about that. We, we put all of our data on there and, and all of our private stuff and, hey, I'm going to be away for the weekend, you know, on, on these things um, and don't think twice about it. At least with, with um, this tracking app is um, we are holding the, the government accountable to what they're doing with the data. Um, they have to be really clear about how they're storing it, how they will access it, and, you know, how they will, will destroy it afterwards. Um, and that's a lot more than what we ask of a lot of apps these days anyway. So, yeah, yeah, for me, fine. I've downloaded it and it will help me get out into the community faster. So, bring it on right now. Well, it's worth it. And I guess that's the trade-off, isn't it? You know, we're very... We're very sceptical as a, as a people, I think, uh, especially of our government and our trust levels are, are low. Um, we don't necessarily trust what people will do with our information, but if there's enough of a trade-off for us, we'll take it every time. Yeah. So I think one of the challenges we have working with government a lot, which you will have also experienced, is that the community often doesn't see the upside of working with that stakeholder. So we have to really be worthy with the information and the data um, so so on that so do you have some tips and tricks that we can use for organizations to make sure that when we do go back to work and when things do start getting back to normal that we are being trustworthy we do have integrity with our data we are discovering it properly you know we're doing the right things basically how do we make sure that happens now so what will have happened when this all kicked off, if the organisation, um, you know, did it in the right way, is that they enacted their business continuity plans. Um, and whilst I doubt very much um, there was a huge amount around pandemic in there, there's certainly that closure of, of what happens after a, a crisis event. And a, you know, any business continuity plan worth its salt will be looking at, you know, the information that's been created and stored and, and used during the crisis time and making sure that's back in the in the organisational fold, is in the right systems, in the right place and is given the, the, the right evidence as to what's happened in this time and, and you know, continue to, to store that. So that is the number one thing for me is to make sure you close out your business continuity plan and ensure that, you know, that that's taken forward. Um, there's a couple of things I will say after that, and it's information governance as well as learning in, in the digital space and, and looking at, at innovation, et cetera, is I would say as soon as you get back, celebrate the fact that you're back, right, that you, know, you survived this, that um, work got done, that, you know, you try new things, uh, some things work, some things didn't, you know, funny stories, etc. Um, and I'm absolutely encouraging my, my clients to do that. And then looking at 
what you would do in any crisis after it's happened, lessons learned, you know, what, what worked well, what didn't, what can we implement now moving forward that will help us be a, a better organisation that manages its, yeah, manages its information better and uses digital technology better as well. Yeah. And just make it a part of, you know, who who you are as an organisation now and, and you know, really um, celebrate and, and build on all the hard work that has happened over this time. Yeah. I think, um, I think people are resonating with this. I'm just having a look at the poll results at the moment. So mm-hmm. we've asked you how you'd rate your organisation's digital remote working capabilities before the crisis and 90% say very capable or capable. You know, so so most organisations, at least who are joining today, again, there's probably some selection bias here because if you weren't <laughs> very good at remote working, you probably wouldn't be on a webinar. Um, but most are saying, look, they had the ability beforehand, but the biggest challenge has actually been data security rather than access to the data. So I think probably there are myriad ways of working remotely and we've all had them at our fingertips, but perhaps they're not um, as secure as we would like. They're not as authorised or approved. You know, they don't have the governance around them and that's a concern to the kinds of people who are with us today, which is probably largely records and information people. Um, I think often we forget that records people care about security. You know, (laughs) you see them as quite separate lenses records is all about what's important how long do we keep it and security is about what's risky and how soon can we get rid of it basically Mm -hmm. but actually they do tie together you know that's that's really important and we've also asked if people see positive changes to their ways of working that could be incorporated into usual work practices when we go back and and most say yes, and the changes are already incorporated, you nice. know, 64%, and another 27% say yes, but we need to do it slightly differently. Yeah. Um, and less than 10% say no, there's no need to change what, what we were doing. So I think, as you said, there are lots of opportunities that come out of this um, to do things differently and do things better. I definitely will be booking a lot more webinars with clients Mm. rather than driving all over Canberra to four different places every day just to have a a 45-minute meeting. So hopefully there will be some good that comes out of it. Look, I also have a a story about that to to finish off as well is that I was talking to a lawyer yesterday and um, she was saying that mediation at the moment is working really well and getting better results than normal. And that's because um, the, the two parties normally who are, you know, opposing parties travel to a, a place and then sit in front of a mediator and, and work that way, right? Um, and now they're doing it on a Zoom call. And so what's happened is that they now don't have to drive to a place that they don't know, find a park, you know, get into a, 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 a um, an office, etc., and then sit opposite the opposing party and look them in the eye and, you know, have that tension in the room. Um, And so actually people are actually more open to mediation, which is wonderful, and they're getting to better conclusions. Um, And so I thought that was was a a great um, example of actually they might continue to do that even if people can meet face-to-face because it's getting better outcomes, which I loved it, yeah. Yeah, fascinating. That's excellent news. I think there'll, there'll be lots of things like that that, that really shine through. I agree. Um, and I think, you know, as you said before, it's kind of breaking down those those mental barriers that we had about 
how professional can someone really be working from home? You know, mm-hmm. there are kids there. How can you work when there are kids there? How productive can you be? Um, which, which actually it turns out you can be and you should be. And obviously we know that a lot of the, the work from home people, that's been quite a feminised workforce uh, historically and now that's um, more evenly spread and I, I hope the perceptions really change about how we can interact in this way. So, Well, I hope it changes um, remote working um, completely and our focus on people only seem to be um, productive if they're at their desk from 8.30 to 5. Yeah. Um, I'd rather see outcome-based productivity than, you know, actual, you know, being in the office productivity because I think, you know, we, we absolutely need that interaction in offices and that, that social interaction, but our productivity is much better when we're working at home. We've switched off our outlook, and, you know, we're, we're actually working. So I think that would be just fascinating and wonderful to see that our work practices change to better ways for people utilising technology so we get better outcomes. Yeah, great. Okay, so that I guess brings us to to the last question, which is, you know, earlier we rated organisations as, you know, middling to poor in their digital transformation and governance pre this um, pandemic. What do you predict um, in 12 months from now? Do you think this will actually give us a a boost? Will we stay the same or do you think there'll be uh, more of a backslide? I think it'll give us a boost. I think it will be like, you know, kids who um, you're you're running behind them. I'm into a lot of analogies, I know. Um, When you're running behind them when they're learning to ride a bike and you're saying, yeah, yeah, I'm holding on to you, I'm holding on to you, and actually you aren't, and they suddenly see that they're riding their bike and they go, wow, I can do it. I think that's a lot of what we're going to see now is people say, hey, I did it and it was actually better and, and you know, I'm excited and, and I'll, I'll be interested in the next, in the next um, you know, digital transformation project because I can see that it can make my life easier. So I really hope um, and I really expect that um, it will definitely be better and people will be more open to it for sure. Great. Fantastic. Look, thank you, Kate. This has been excellent. We'll continue that discussion on the LinkedIn group. So um, feel free to click on that link, guys, and jump across there. And um, Kate, you'll stay in the group, I think, won't you, going forward? People can find you in there and connect and ask you more questions. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Castle Point Systems, please go to our website at www.castlepoint.systems to get in touch. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn, where you can engage with us and all of our experts.